0: Gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundivism Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, master of shenanigans and the fun guy. Yep, that is a mushroom joke. It's early. I, I apologize. Listen, we got a really fun-filled show today because uh, when I think of my childhood, when I think of things that lift me up, when I think of memories with friends, oftentimes there is a, there's a, a common thread. And that common thread is competition, games. And so our guest today is is really helping bring uh, a gaming mentality, a fun mentality into the workplace. But before I introduce him to you, I'd like to shout out our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Charlie Hustle is uh, obviously Kansas City based. Uh, If you know nothing of Charlie Hustle, uh, even if you're from a, a small town in the Midwest or heck, maybe even Newark, New Jersey, right? Is that where you're from? That's it. <laughs> yes. Uh, there is something for you. Go to charliehustle.com to learn more, not just about the amazing threads that they got, but the awesome stuff that they're doing for people in need. So without further ado, we have the founder and CEO of One Huddle, Sam Kauchi. What's good, my breath? It's good, man. Thanks for having me. Listen, I am, uh, I am super excited to have you. This has been a long time coming. Uh, we met through a mutual friend by the name of Joe Greco, And uh, we got on a call and I'm just enamored by what you're doing, mainly because I have a lot of experience in the corporate world and uh, not necessarily liking every minute of it. So I want to talk to you at length about that. But before we do, the people want to know, Sam, what do you do for fun?
1: You know, working as a working as a entrepreneur and having a startup and being at work crazy hours all day long, all the way around the horn uh, for fun. Like I, I, uh, I, I run around the block, hang out, play soccer, do whatever I can with my three year old daughter, Nico. So that's that's my fun time every day.
0: Well, I do have the luxury of following you on the I.G. and Nico is absolutely adorable. <laughs> Uh, and one thing I also know about you that you do for fun, and I I guess I don't know if you do it for fun or not, but I admire that you do it regardless. And I think you're even introducing her at a very young age is, uh, you are very invested in self-development and reading. You're constantly reading. How many books would you say you read a month? Uh, a month,
1: probably about, I'd say no less than eight to 10 books a month.
0: Goodness gracious. easy. That's something for me to aspire to easy. I devour one of the best things
1: I ever did was I downloaded an app probably a dozen years ago that was a, a speed reading app. And I've just, um, you know, I, I, try to, I would say some people read books. I try to just you know, just engulf myself in them and as much information I can, including your book fun in the background that I've I've read a few times.
0: Well, thank you, man. I greatly appreciate that. I remember uh, seeing a a post of yours with that in the stack. And uh, I think that obviously that that is one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you because you're a gentleman that lives fun and you help create fun for others. And that's what the Fundamism Podcast uh, and the Fundamism Movement is all about. How do we ourselves live a life of fun, joy, and fulfillment? While also inviting others to find what that looks like for them. Not news to you, Sam. That uh, a lot of folks don't necessarily enjoy going to work these days. Why? What is that created by?
1: I'd probably say it's a few things. I think it's le- it's bad leadership. You know, bad coaching. Uh, you know, I think that when uh, I think a lot of a lot of uh, the way we've been brought up when you, you go to work, if you if you don't have the right mentors and the right coaches around you, it's looks like something that you have to do, not something you get to do. Uh, and, uh, you know, I would probably also say that it's it, it it's leadership's failure to connect you to why you're there in the first per- in the first place. Mm. And, um, you know, for us, we're a game platform. So all we do all day long is talk about play is powerful to connect people. Play is a powerful ingredient, but, you know, man, Paul, I, I am blown away at how many, how many people I talk to, whether it's HR directors, C-level executives, they lose their, um, they lose touch of such like a simple concept is like, play is a good thing. And I've, I've talked to, you know, too many CEOs that think that when you say fun around work, it's a bad thing. And I know I'm in your wheelhouse now, but you know, uh, we're fighting on the front lines for this with you. Cause it's, uh, you know, it's out of whack.
0: Listen, that's exactly, exactly why I connect so much with you and what you're trying to accomplish in uh, the workforce and uh, the work environment. Because I, for 10 plus years, worked in corporate America, uh, made my way all the way up to a director of call center operations. And the one thing that I, that I quickly identified is that at times I felt like a fish out of water. I felt like my style, my energy, my enthusiasm, my zest uh, was not always invited with open arms. And, and as a result, I think sometimes that, that, that did something to my confidence, right? It kind of shook me a little bit and made me wonder, am, am I doing the right things to thrive in a corporate setting? And I, I don't know that I could answer that successfully. But one thing I know about you is your help closing that gap because a lot of senior leadership um, is now connecting or are now connecting with uh, individuals that really, they run the gamut in terms of demographics, age, uh, race, uh, background, whatever it may be, which means that we kind of have to rethink how we lead our people. How is One Huddle doing that?
1: Yeah, so I think we believe in a few things at One Huddle. We believe number one, that uh, any, everybody should have a right to compete and nobody likes an unfair game. Uh, but unfortunately in the workforce today, like the deck is stacked against Heck of a lot of heck of a lot of people. Uh, you know, uh, we live in a world where if you're if you went to a certain college and you got that sales job that moved you up into the corner office, for some reason you get access to every training, every seminar, every workshop, every thought leader, every Simon Sinek, blah blah blah. You know, like you get everything, but the frontline worker at the front at the front door gets access to a fraction of it. And we live in a world of abundance and technology. So, you know, it's crazy to us at one huddle that you wouldn't give everybody the same equal access to the same stuff, considering the fact that we got this thing, you know, I got a smartphone in our hands. There's no reason we can't share information and mentorship. So I think number one for us, it's all about access. We think it's, we don't think it makes sense. We think it's stupid. We think it's bad for business. The second thing is we believe competition is healthy. Like there's nothing wrong with coming to work every day and, you know, asking people to do the hard stuff and challenging people. And we think the best comes out of people when there's a little friendly competition, a little bit at stake, right. People lean into that the right way. Sure. Uh, You know, so I think we, we fight every day to make sure that not only people have access, but that uh, we lean into the power of play because we get the most out of people when they look at things, um, you know, through the lens of play and fun.
0: Yeah. And, and I think that uh, to take that one step further too, I mean, there's something to be said for, Really, still remembering and living life like a child, right? Because I think that I saw something amazing. That, like, as children, uh, we laughed in excess of a hundred times a day, but as adults, the average is uh, less than ten, which is crazy to me. And so, that's obviously something that you were helping bring to the table. Um, before we get into how that is and and what specifically One Huddle does to drive competition and and create a more fun work environment for folks and make one feel as though they are part of a a larger culture and specifically add value. Um, In my experience in corporate America, not just living it, but consulting and and working after the fact, we consistently lose great people. And uh, when I think about why we consistently lose great people, in my mind, I feel like regularly we misdiagnose skill versus will, right? Like uh it's easy for us as a leadership team to say, well, Sam just isn't cutting the mustard. He he knows what to do, but he's just not doing it, right? And I consistently come back to the thought of, but does he, does he know what to do? Why is it that our leaders consistently struggle in developing or transferring skill?
1: Yeah, it's a great question, Paul. I think there's a, you know, I, there's a lot, there's a lot to answer in, in that question. I think that managers in the workforce, uh, to, to vet, to defend them for a second. I think that they're put in that position, uh, without the right coaching and development around them to become great coaches. You know, it's not just because I'm the best seller doesn't mean I'm the best sales manager. So I think number one, we put a lot of people into that management role without the, the mentorship and coaching that they need, you know, and and we look at a lot of job training programs, and again, a lot of it has to do with the the tactics of being a seller, not of being a sales manager, as an example, yeah. and that goes around the horn. So, you know, I think it's a weakness in understanding that we need to build great coaches. Um, you know, I, I also think that you know, so many companies rely on a human resource job function that um, they don't get enough. You know, the the, the position doesn't get enough respect, and What I mean by that is I wouldn't go to a doctor who didn't have a, you know, a medical degree on the wall. You know, I don't necessarily trust lawyers, but I wouldn't probably seek legal advice from somebody that didn't have a law degree. You know, uh, there's a heck of a lot of people out there responsible for learning and development and HR and workforce and talent that do not have formal degrees in the way the brain works. That do not understand how learning sticks. They do not have cognitive behavioral understanding in any way on how you teach somebody to get upskilled. You know? So I think that that's another problem is that, uh, training and employee engagement, which is the buzzword today. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's looked at as a nice to have, not a need to have. And I've yet to have somebody actually explain to me what the hell that means.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you hit on uh, an important point and hopefully no one took offense to the fact that I wasn't saying that no manager or no senior leader out there understands how to transfer skill. I believe that we as a whole in society struggle with transferring skill. And mainly we make a number of different excuses, right? We don't have enough time. Uh, We take for granted that they, they were promoted based on that skill. But what you just called out was just because you're promoted based on your ability to do one thing, i.e., what you said, sell, doesn't necessarily mean that you have the skill to be able to transfer how to sell. And that's where that coaching technique and that coaching prowess and coaching development really takes a, a critical element in being able to advance the skill set of those with whom we work. So enter One Huddle and Sam Cauchy. Now you are the founder and CEO of One Huddle. And uh, I, I wore a special shirt for you. I don't know if you could see it, Sam. This is uh, my, this is my, you see what this is? This is Saved by the Bell. So that's Zach yeah. yeah okay, okay, yeah, I see it. Zach Morris, there's Screech, of course. But whenever I think of growing up, I, I think of uh, Bayside High. I think of, uh, I think of NBA Jam. Rejected! And all the games that gave me uh, so, so many amazing memories and friendships, to be honest. And let's be honest, uh, there's, there's some rifts amongst friends as well uh, in this friendly competition. But I came up on games. And so everything that I do, whether it's a, a neighborhood party, uh, hanging out with the kids at home, which you could relate to, or going into a workplace setting, I'm driven by competition. So where did this idea of bringing uh, a competitive nature or games into the work setting come from for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I used to skip out, uh, during lunch period in high school and we used to go into, you know, I played high school football and one of our guys somehow figured out how to rig his car to have a PlayStation two in it with one of these TVs. That's, you know, as small as an iPhone now and we would play, like we would play, play uh, NCAA. And that was our, that was our lunch every day. We try to eat as fast as we can, so we can go and do that. So, um, you know, I, I grew up a gamer playing games. I also think it's, you know, uh, everybody is a gamer. Yes. I'll get people who tell me like, I'm not so much a gamer. I'm like, do you, do you do puzzles? Yeah. Okay. You're a gamer. Do you cross puzzles? I'm a gamer. Like, do you, uh, you know, do you play pickup basketball? Okay. You're a gamer. Like, do you golf? You're a gamer. Like, okay. You don't have to be the kid Fortnite with like the headphones on and the hoodie up in three in the morning playing games to be a gamer. Everybody, like you're a gamer. And we oftentimes, I tell companies like, you know, games have been around for thousands of years. E-learning been around since 1994 like let's 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 think about you know what has what has stuck more with people so you know for us uh you know we we believe in the power of games as a way to um there's no other vehicle where as you play it i get connected with my competition yes uh i get competitive in a way that brings us together there's like no other vehicle where as you fail you're okay with it Like I've thrown a lot of controllers in my life. Don't get me wrong, but (laughs) you know, as I fail, I come back for more. You know, Um, I just don't think that happens in most job training when you're sitting in a seat trying to survive eight hours, just not falling asleep. You know, so we feel like the power of a game uh, creates an opportunity to communicate the right information to people that need it, workers, um, in a manner that like has them like coming back for more a little bit, um, and in the process hopefully you know bringing up their uh, their engagement and their excitement about where they are every day
0: for sure and i think that one of the things that that you didn't or haven't in our conversation thus far given yourself enough credit for is in addition to to driving that connection which newsflash right now in today's society and the heavily dependent culture on virtual environments and settings, everybody's longing for connection and wants to be a part of something. And so this gaming platform or allowing people to connect in a different way is going to improve or increase that employee engagement. And a lot of companies are struggling with that right now. But a magical byproduct of all of that, Sam, is there's all these different learners out there, right? And what you're creating is an ability to truly immerse yourself in content. And the, the, the benefit, of course, in that is hopefully the retention of said content goes up. Am I way off base or do you have some statistical uh, references to, uh, to secure that thought?
1: Yeah. So there, you know, there's a lot of myths around how learning works that I uncovered and it's what made me start one huddle. Um, You know, when I started to really try to understand how the heck do I get my salesperson on my team up to speed and product knowledge quickly, you know, what is the best way to do that? Is it by me building a learning video? Is it me building a PowerPoint deck and locking everybody in a room and talking to them? Like, why is it that once I do a training, everybody's great. And then 48 hours later, they go back to the same crap. You know, why is that? So I started like, I went to the bookstore and I started reading books on cognitive behavior and how learning works and how does memory work. And I came across something that said, struggle, struggle is the missing ingredient to most like effective learning. Mm. And when the brain is forced to like figure out the puzzle, go down, like figure itself out of the maze, like journey through, like go through the mission when it's forced to struggle. The outcome is the information you learned along the way, it sticks a little bit more. And I said, holy crap, like the problem is all I got to do is survive that, you know, X, Y, Z training I get every quarter and just click through it. Like that's all I have to do. And that's why it doesn't stick. So, you know, what we learned is that struggle, it's the one of our big mantra on the wall says, do the hard shit. And we say that as a team, because that works for a startup trying to, you know, do crazy things, but it's also how we believe that why a game is powerful. It's as you do the hard shit that the information you learn sticks, that you uh, are put yourself in a position to be able to be uh, more effective. And again, it's we, we lean into competition. And that's, you know, that's a that's a core tenet for us.
0: You know what? What's amazing about that, that uh, learning opportunity. Um, struggle. I feel like, and you as a Fun as a podcast listener have heard me say this before, so forgive the overlap, but Sam, you, you remind me of a previous conversation that I've had that whenever I think or get the opportunity to talk to somebody like yourself um, that has seen some level of success, however that is defined for you, there is, there is, there is always, nearly always a common thread in that. And that is you saw some form of struggle, like it wasn't given to you. You learned the hard way, whether it was a a significant roadblock or you lost everything that you had, or you quit something that you love, or somebody near and dear to you was lost. Ultimately, this struggle always helps us get stronger as a result. And it develops brain patterns to ensure that we grow accordingly and hopefully avoid some of those mistakes and and wind up in a better place as a result. For you, can you identify like that pivotal moment or a a moment in your life that helped kind of shift where you were to understand, man, I'm bound for greater things and I never want to get back to that place?
1: Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been lucky to have great friends, great coaches, great mentors, family, you know, but, but for me uh, coming out of high school, I committed to play football at the university of Alabama. It was a pretty cool opportunity. Um, uh, it wasn't the Alabama that's right now, but it was an Alabama that it was still Alabama and, um, had a, had a death in the family that hit, hit home uh, pretty close for me. And it meant I had to stay local. So at 17 years old, uh, I had a mother who was, doing, you know, she was a, she was a legal secretary. Cause she grew up in an era where you send the boy to college, not the girl, uh, even though she was better than most of the attorneys could have been a better attorney than anybody she worked for. Uh, and I said, <laughs> we got to really dig deep on this attorney <laughs> disdain. <dude. laughs> yeah. I think I got, I got some like, you know, by the way, my wife's an attorney, but we're not, gonna, <laughs> I, I love my wife. Yeah, so I don't know what it is. Maybe, I, you know, it's just, it's, Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, you know, so I, I think that for me, growing up, you know, I was forced to like get to work right away. And my first job, I was a hundred percent commission job. It was a sales job. I said, I can do that. I, I'm a, you know, I'm a competitive person. And you know, I think that I was, and up until I started One Huddle, every job I was in was a hundred percent commission sales role. And I think that just constantly being in an environment where I had to succeed uh you know just was was um you know it 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 worked for me and uh that 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 struggle for me is something that you know I, I think that really molded the way that i think about work because what we do every day is about you know how the heck do we level people up and so when they wake up every day and go someplace uh they feel like they're connected and they feel like they have a sense of purpose and they feel like they're in the right place and they feel like they're excited and they can they can um that that's important to me. And again, I think the journey, um, you know, from, from the, from like, again, right out of, right out of high school, having to be put in that position has really molded the way I think about it.
0: So just, just curiosity on my part now, cause I'm a, a pretty avid football fan. What position did you play?
1: So I was a linebacker, but uh, I played behind a guy named John Beeson, who uh, turned out to be a, a yeah. pretty good football player, if you know. Yeah. So uh, I was a long snapper as well, which by the way, Maybe another rule out there is you got to have you got to have something up your sleeve. So I was a long snapper, and that was what I was committed for.
0: What do you think, Coach, would have said about your long hair? Do you think he would have told you to cut it?
1: Yeah, oh, oh, definitely he would have told me to cut. He might, it might have pulled, might have cut it himself. <laughs> <laughs> but no, there were different football coaches, you know, but you know, when we were coming up, than yeah. today. <laughs>
0: you are Lion. lying. Uh, matter of fact, we we lost a good one. At, so I'm from Kansas, obviously. I'm a diehard Kansas Jayhawks fan uh, over everything. And the last real winning season that we had was 2008 when we had a coach by the name of Mark Mangino, who uh, was really, he was an old school coach and uh, he was run out of town for being that. And so to your point, you know, leaders and leadership has changed throughout the years. You got to adapt. You know, it's like every, every generation complains about
1: the one that comes next. And, you know, I think what I've always, what I, what I've always tried to take from the coaches around me is, um. I think this hasn't changed. You have to be willing to challenge. Again, we'll come back to this word on struggle. you got to be willing to wake up every day um, and see the world from the perspective of somebody else. Mm. And that's maybe when we think about the problem with most people that move into management roles who maybe weren't the right fit. Talk about empathy. Talk about being able to um, see from a different perspective and then help, not tell somebody what to do, Maybe they need to be challenged. Maybe yeah. they just need your, you know, to list to, for you for, to talk, but being, having the time and the mental space to be able to do that um, is super important.
0: You know what I, what I love about this concept of, of fun that we talk about regularly and that you hit on earlier is uh, for me, it, it, it's an acronym, as you know, you, you read the book and again, I greatly appreciate that. Um, in a very organic way uh, and not deliberately, we have really gone through your personal foundation and the foundation of One Huddle and how you got started and and what it came to be and the intent behind it. Uh, And then you just just naturally went into the you, which is understanding others' perspectives and really being able to walk in their shoes to understand the value that they provide and and what they've been through so you can maximize them and their opportunities and the value that they provide others in identifying the real in next steps for, for maximizing their growth. So, I want to talk to you about how one huddle before we wrap up, how one huddle uh, helps organizations and what specifically your process looks like. But before I do, one of the, one of the primary reasons why I've really been enamored with what you're doing is your social presence for one huddle is amazing. So are you the content creator for, uh, for all of your IG and LinkedIn videos and all that stuff? I know you have a team out there, but man, you are a funny dude. Where did that come from and who (laughs) helps you with that?
1: you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, it's definitely a byproduct of our team and our marketing team that work together on everything. And, um, you know, when you start up for all the people out there that have either you're thinking about starting something up, or you're, you already have something, you know, that um, you got to be the biggest cheerleader early on, which means sometimes you got to get uncomfortable, um, being more vocal and taking a position on things. Sometimes so many people start companies, and they say, I'm going to act like I'm, apple today i got as a tech company you know i see so many startups like what would apple do it's like no yo yo you're you do have five hundred dollars the bank you can't act like apple so you know well you know i think for me it was early on when i finally learned that i had jumped off a cliff on this thing and i'm going i learned that you know what i have to just i have to be willing to start to find my voice and start talking and then you start to get people around you that can help amplify it and then you know what you do you start to realize that you're not the candidate Like you're just the spokesperson for it. And you got to put a great comms team, you know, for us, our marketing team is awesome. And I think about them as a comms team They they represent the brand. The brand is a candidate every day, just to, you know, stick, we use election analogies a lot. It's our responsibility to support, to give great talking points, to do our research. You know, I just might be the one that's, you know, going out there and, and, and being, you know, talking publicly a little bit more than others are. Um, But the, to the fun part, like, at the end of the day, uh, I get to go work every day and I get to talk to companies across so many different industries. I get one shot at this thing. I, you know, I started a company raised venture capital money. So like, it's not even my money right now. Like, so I get to play with it, you know? And, um, and it, you know, the, the, so for me, it's like, and we get to do it and then make an impact. So you talked about social impact, you know, um, when I fell, I, I started this company to help salespeople. And I learned that, Uh, we can help everybody. Yes. And why not? Like, why not? Why not try? Like, why not not, not attempt to do it? Um, So that's been the most fun for me.
0: Well, first and foremost, I don't recognize the results of your election analogy. Get it? You get it? Oh, all (laughs) right. But uh, (laughs) listen, just to applaud you, uh, recognizing the skill set that you have uh, as an independent business owner, you are kind of the model of, of what I'd hope to accomplish in growth and time. Like I don't care if anybody remembers me. I want folks to remember this brand as something that could help them through a trying time and be more deliberate and enjoy fun and fulfillment. And that's what you guys are doing. I mean, you guys are a brand, and from the logo to the social presence, to the way that you talk and, and communicate your mission to your staff, I mean, you're living it, and I admire that. So in closing, uh, walk us through how One Huddle works with uh, its a potential client or existing clients to enhance the learning experience and that competitive nature of a team.
1: Sure. So for companies that have uh, information their employees need to know, it might be onboarding. It might be uh, might be certain systems or procedures. It might be ongoing diversity and inclusion training or sensitive sense you know sensitive or serious training we talk about. Uh, for companies that have to get that information out of a manual, out of a module, out of their head and into the mind of their of their employees, uh, we've built a platform with One Huddle where you know the game is really just what the players, the employees play. Uh, and again, we we stay with the word player versus employee, even when we talk. Uh, but for us, you know, you can take anything And in minutes, use our off our game creation tool to turn it into a game and get it deployed to your workforce wherever they may be. And, you know, it might sound simple given COVID, but, you know, pre-COVID, 83% of our gameplay happened off the clock. Uh, I don't know about you, but I wasn't really like the kind to be doing job training at home on a Saturday night. But because companies can take that, you know the latest uh, sales sheet on a product. Turn it into a game. Push it out to their sales force, and their sales force are incented to compete against each other to win the game because leaderboards and the whole thing. Uh, we'll see 100% engagement. We'll see employees get pretty competitive <laughs> around something as as, as simple as a, a system or a new process. And again, the outcome is. Managers can walk into their next meeting and know they can coach up from that position. They don't have to start uh, and talk about just the X's and the O's. They can expand on it. Uh, And the employee is not just a little bit more knowledgeable, but maybe a little bit more confident uh, when they uh, take that information and talk to a customer.
0: For sure. Well, as we start to wrap up, uh, let it be known that I haven't forgotten our initial conversation and me wanting to get some of this content into a gaming platform. So we need to talk more. If I, myself, or anybody listening wants to improve employee engagement, learn more how to uh, to to drive a stronger culture, or they just want to know more about Sam Kochi and One Huddle, where do we go? Sure.
1: Uh, you can head on over to onehuddle.co, number onehuddle.co. Uh, we have a seven-day trial up on the website. Uh, if you're a nonprofit or an association, uh, we have fr- uh, we have a social impact program that we just launched during COVID uh, to help you. So um, I don't want to hear anybody saying money is an issue to help your people. Um, we have programs sort of for all types of companies uh, to help them uh, help, their pe- help their team.
0: Well, Sam, it was amazing having you. We greatly appreciate what you're doing and creating fun in the workplace and out in society today. To you, the Fundamentalism Podcast listener, we couldn't do this without you. We greatly appreciate your support. You consistently get us in and out of the top 100 on Apple iTunes. And uh, listen, spread the word. Go out and have some fun today. Create some fun in the lives of others. And until we catch you on the flip side, be safe, smile often, and have fun. Deuces.